I'm your host, Troy, and we're talking about Archive 81. It is episode 6. Now, on the last episode, we lost a junkie as Chris decided to take his own life, but we also learned that Samuel and Virgil are brothers. And we got to find another uh, archivist, Thomas Bellows as we found a bunch of notebooks of his. So, let's get into it. We start off with an old black and white film. A man walks down the stairs and gives us a very Twilight Zone type intro. He talks about meeting someone that is another you, and you may wonder if you have caught a glimpse into another world. If the world exists, it surely lies at the center of the circle. Yeah, so this is obviously what we've been talking about with uh, these films, uh, The Circle, and uh, this is um, the man that uh, his daughter obviously was, was present at the, at the dinner they had before, and she had his films restored by Dan. And, uh, yeah, it was also... Um, him seeing the original cult, they keep calling it a snuff film, but we'll figure that out in a little bit, uh, seeing that and kind of being, uh, wanting to write the circle and kind of, uh, basing everything on that. Uh, so this gentleman is William Crest and, uh, yeah, it seems like this was sort of him, uh, uh, our, I guess our introduction to him kind of thing, but really, really it's not because we've been talking about him so much. Dan pulls out the tape that uh, he destroyed from his father, and he repairs it, and he, turned, and he turns it on and watches it. Dr. Turner recorded an intro for his son. Uh, it, uh, he just kind of explains, like, I know you, lo- you love these old movies, and now you don't have to wait for me to pull out the projector. You can just watch this, and it's all of your favorite scenes. And then it cuts to a scene of a stop-motion skeleton fighting something. And Dan then gets a phone call from Mark, and he says he's outside. Dan goes out to the gate, and Mark is standing there. Mark asks to be let in, but Dan's like, the whole place is under surveillance, dude. It's not happening. Dan starts to walk away, but Mark yells that he found Thomas Bellows the guy with all the notebooks. Apparently, six years ago, Virgil hired him to record, uh, to repair and record a bunch of tapes with soap operas on them. Apparently, Thomas died in a car accident after having a mental breakdown while working at the archive. Oh, that doesn't sound familiar at all. Dan heads back, and he breaks every camera in the facility. He tells Virgil, fuck your fishbowl, before hitting the final camera. 
I'm not sure why Virgil is okay with this. Like, we we see him watching all the cameras going out, and he doesn't do anything about it. So I guess it's he must like expect this to be something that might happen. Dan repairs another tape and seems to have issues putting it into the player, but then it finally goes in. And he sees that the recording starts off with Melody's asleep on her bed as somebody is is watching her. They proceed to turn off the camera, and Melody wakes up. And again, we're watching stuff that like Dan can't see. So I guess he could be filling in the blanks a little bit on this, but more of this is just for our benefit kind of thing. She finds that someone opened up a new tape and put it into her camcorder. And when she rewinds it, she then, of course, sees that somebody was just there watching her sleep, which is nice and creepy. Then uh, she records herself saying that she woke up in someone's apartment and doesn't know how she got there. She looks out the window, and we see that she is in the viscer, and she is looking down at where our junkie friend jumped to his death last episode. She leaves this apartment and goes to her own apartment, but before she can get in, the police arrive to talk to her. I guess we saw her uh, faint, or, or at least, like, I mean, I think she was screaming, but I think that she dropped to the ground like the camera at least dropped to the ground too so i'm assuming that she fainted uh after seeing him fall to his death in front of her um and i guess there really wasn't any question that this this was samuel's apartment that she's in uh and i don't know where he went because it didn't seem like it was that long before she woke up that he was recording her while she's talking to the police, she says that she was at an art show, and she talked to someone who lived in the, in the building there, and then Chris fell in front of them. Uh, they ask if she knew the victim, and she's like, uh, well, you know, I kind of did, but I met him that day. But then as the police are leaving, she says Chris didn't jump. He wanted to get clean, so he would not jump at all. She accuses Samuel of being the one who did it, even though she was talking to him at the time. Uh, the police are like, yeah, we talked to him. And she's like, you know, he's not who he seems. Like, don't don't like get suckered in by that. She says she has proof, but when she goes to look for it, it, of course, is gone. Uh, which would be all of his old identities. Melody tries to tell them to go to the sixth floor, but the police are just like, hey, I think we're done. Uh, and they leave, which honestly, like, hey, I just met this junkie who's a junkie and he really wants to get clean. So he definitely didn't kill himself. Oh, and by the way, that guy that you talked to that was like super nice and was like, yo, I was right there next to her when the dude, the dude jumped and her being like, no, 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 he, he did it. And, and he also killed a priest. He pushed him in front of a train. Like, yeah, that can come off as being a little uh, out there. And they even flat out ask her, like, are you sure you're not a junkie? Like, is that, do we need to have maybe, maybe do a little druggy drug test? But, uh, they, they don't. They just kind of are just like, this is too much. This is clearly a suicide. We're just going to listen to that. 
she then gets a phone call from a hospital saying that they have a patient there, Annabelle Cho. Melody goes to the hospital and finds Annabelle handcuffed to her bed. Annabelle uh, said that she has a message in the paintings, that there's, there's something in there trying to talk to her. A doctor walks up and says that Annabelle broke a woman's jaw. She attacked Gabby Stanton, the art curator. She also apparently stabbed a security guard. The doctor asks about a history of mental illness and asks about a couple different things. And Melody's like, could it, could it be a mold thing? Like, could, could mold cause her to have a psychotic break? And the doctor's like, well, sure. Um, but the only way I'd be able to do that or be able to ascertain that is if you brought me a sample. So Melody goes on a fetch quest to go get a sample. So I incorrectly said last episode that uh, um, I, I didn't know of anything, any like uh, medicine or anything that made off of mold. Apparently, uh, penicillin is made from mold, which I didn't know. Uh, thanks to Adam Selzer for that one. Melody runs to Cassandra's and tries to find the paint, but she says, oh, I gave it all to Annabelle, so you have to ask her. Cassandra has all the paintings of Annabelle's, which means, of course, that she's likely the person that bought them and caused Annabelle to get a little skeezed out to begin with. Cassandra says Annabelle opened a window with paintings, and Melody grabs Cassandra and screams at her until Jess arrives. Melody says Jess needs to leave with her, and Jess is like, I'm not supposed to talk to you anymore? And Samuel told me that you're not well. Melody tries to grab Jess, but uh, spills the tea that Jess is holding, and that causes her to be like, Cassandra, you're poisoning Jess. Like, the mold's in the tea. And I can I can prove it if I just have a sample, and Jess is like, okay, well, there's a bunch of mold in the basement, so here's a key if you need to go down there and get a sample. I completely understand why, like, everyone thinks that Melody is probably going a little nuts because she's acting a little insane. She's running around yelling about mold and yelling about pushing people in front of trains and things like that. And like, she's like frantically grabbing Jess and being like, we need to get out of here. Like, I, I get it. I, I do. And they've painted, uh, Cassandra and Samuel have done a really good job of painting her as like, this is somebody who is currently seeking medical attention, uh, with a psychiatrist. And uh, she, you know, uh, just kind of showed up here and has really spiraled since showing up here. And now her her friend, who she brought here as well, just wound up breaking some girl's jaw and, and is in the hospital. So, yeah, they've done a really good job of framing it. Melody walks down to the basement and finds a room covered in black mold. I think this scene is really dark and it's really hard to tell what the fuck's going on. So Melody, who knows what this mold is and what it does to people, runs her hand along the wall. I sure hope that it's not absorbed through the skin, because otherwise you're about to go on a little vacation. She hears a song being hummed in the next room, and then she gets jump-scared by Samuel. And the tape starts to distort, and it gets caught in the machine, so Dan has to take it out. And as he takes it out, he sees that the cassette is now covered in the black mold. 
When Dan opens his VCR, he also finds that it is covered in mold. Well, that's interesting. So, is, did that come from the tapes itself? Or did that come from the archive? Like, is uh, where did it come from, I guess is what I'm asking. And I don't have an answer to that yet, obviously, but... Um, we kind of get a sense that there was something wrong with the machine when he had trouble putting the tape in to begin with. And it makes sense if, like, he's playing it that, you know, if he's injecting this thing into a VCR that's just, like, covered in mold, it makes sense that the tape would also get covered in mold. But it still doesn't make a lot of sense of where it came from. It could be conjured, conjured from the tapes. He calls Virgil and asks where the fuck the mold came from, and Virgil's just like... If you're experiencing a mental health emergency, which is Virgil's go-to, and I'm sure why he uh, specifically selects certain people for the, this uh, this job, and other than the fact that Dan obviously is a connection with Dr. Turner, Virgil says there's a spare unit that Dan requested. Uh, he should just go ahead and go use that. And then he's like, are you going to complete the job, or are we going to have an issue? And then Dan just hangs up on him. As he goes looking for the spare unit, he finds Rat eating some cords. I don't know if that's important or not, but he finds him there. He also finds a photo camera, uh, and as he clicks through some of the pictures, he sees that this is Thomas, the last archivist. And then he finds a video that Thomas took. Thomas is showing his girlfriend that he's taking notes and watching all the tapes. And we see that Thomas is... Um, putting different labels on top of the labels that are on the tape, and then he's storing them away in a large storage area, which we've seen before. And then we see he is down in the chapel, and he is carving his initials into the church pew that we saw a few episodes ago. Thomas says when he's done, they'll have enough money to pay off everything, his student loans and everything like that. And then it cuts to Thomas finding the Wellspring files, and saying that Virgil is clearly looking for someone. So, that's different. I mean, we, I think we, I kind of got a sense of that on the Wellspring thing of, like, he's having people send in their DNA, and then he's, like, giving them information back, but it's also like, yeah, but he's also having people send in their DNA, which is, like, pretty easy to catalog at that point. Thomason finds a refrigerator filled with jars of blood, not like little vials of like blood that you test or anything like that. Like full on like someone's getting woozy after donating that much blood. Thomas says that there's a face in the screen when he watches the tapes. So he's seeing our, our same static demon that Dan is. Thomas then says, fuck you and your tapes, Patricia. Which uh, caused me to give out a nice little woo. Because I managed to call that one. Not Again, not that that was like a huge leap or anything on that, but yeah, so Thomas was hired to cover all of Patricia's tapes, which are plentiful. Patricia, of course, you remember, is the one who's like, yeah, I record all of the... Um, well, I mean, it, it, it comes up here. Um, Dan finds a Patricia interview because he recognizes the name, and she says that the tapes have a message for her. 
and that's why like she's recording all of these soap operas but also like there's there's a, a, a I guess there's a gateway within the tapes which is the same thing that's going on with Melody which is the same thing that's going on with Annabelle in the pictures like everything seems to be kind of opening up uh, a way for our static demon to uh, get into our world and he just hasn't been able to yet Dan heads down to the room with all of Patricia's tapes stored in it, and he pulls off the labels that we saw Thomas putting on them, and he finds soap opera names and then a label on top, uh, with Patricia being the owner of them. I don't know why he's relabeling them. Uh, and they're like they're labeled like really generically. Um, I don't I don't I don't know why he's relabeling them other than maybe like a cataloging thing, but it seems like you don't have to put a thing over the top of it too. I don't know. And just weird. Dan calls Mark to tell him that Thomas's tapes were also from the Visser. And his phone call ends because his service goes out and he gets jump scared by the groundskeeper. Dan asks about Thomas and Omen says, don't make the same mistake he did. Finish the job. So. Clearly, she knows more than she's letting on. Also, she's just there again. Um, which... Uh, the like horror movie buff in me is just like, is she real? Is she dead? But I'm sure she is. I think she's just there. Mark goes to Dan's old girlfriend, Jill. And he says that Evie Crest had a stroke and all of her old collection of movies from her father's estate were sold off. And he knows that Jill has them. Jill refuses to give them to him. And Mark's like, Dan's not going to forgive you for fucking the film festival guy, even if you purchase the circle tapes, uh, to try to make it up to him. And he's like, I'm gonna gonna pay you for all of them, and you're gonna give them to me. And Jill mentions that William Crest was obsessed with the Voss Conservatory, and used their cult activities to write the circle. She mentions a picture of the Baldung cult and its leader, Iris Voss. Mark asks about the snuff film, and Jill's like, yeah, I got it. She plays the video where you see that it's not really a murder-after-sex thing, but more of a ritualistic sacrifice, as there's a bunch of people standing there, and a woman walks up and gets her throat slit. Mark says he'll take all of it. Dan cleans up the tape again and gets it working. And Melody asks Samuel how he got in his, uh, how she got in his apartment. And Samuel says, you fainted, and I didn't have a key to your apartment, so I just put you in mine. Samuel claims that this room is all for storage, but it flooded a while ago. And Melody's like, what's the mold on the wall? He's like, not mold, there's, there's a mold. Which is like, come on, dude, really? <laughs> but then he drops his pretense, he's like, yes, the mold is a proof of our devotion. It's a manifestation of the divine. Samuel takes her further down to see that he has moved his junkies from the sixth floor down to the basement. And they're all singing. He says the viscer was built on the ruins of the Voss Conservatory. Samuel says that it's painful for Melody to hear because she's the one and she's been chosen. Melody looks at the statue of Caligo, which is our static demon. And she sees the book she stole is now on a, on a pedestal next to it. 
Samuel says he resents the word cult. They are seers. And Samuel says, I never knew your mother. She never lived here. And I sent the letter to the convent claiming that she did because I knew that that would get you to come here. So he's the reason why she was sent down this path. He's the reason she's there. He then shows her the snuff film. Uh, and then she realizes that she's actually standing in a faithful recreation of the same exact space on the tape. Melody asks if she was brought here for them to kill her. And Sam is like, no, 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 no. We can't kill you. Like, they already have a volunteer. They needed a vessel who could hold a whole new world inside of them. And Melody's like, you're talking about a sacrifice. And he goes, no, 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 no. it's not a sacrifice. Like, it's it's a gift. Like, this this person is is going to be the vessel that is going to bring about Caligo. She tells Sammy to fuck you and leaves. She goes running up the stairs and back to her apartment. So I guess she didn't get that sample? Melody has a breakdown. Um... And she's like, she was never here. My mother was never here. Like, yeah, this whole thing has been a gigantic lie to her. She tells herself to get the fuck out and starts to pack her shit. But then she remembers something that Samuel says. She said, he said, of course, that they were going to hold a new world inside of them. And she shows the camera a tape in her hands and Dan Watt goes over and he looks through his father's tapes and finds it and plays it and it is the tape of Jess where she asks if she's strong enough to hold a whole new world inside of herself and Melody realizes that the vessel the person that they're going to slit their throat is Jess Melody bangs on Jess's door and Tamara answers She's like, oh, they, they left for Florida. They're not there. Which is like, okay, that's all well and good, but, but why are you there? Like, the, first of all, a shitty lie. But second, like, why are you in their apartment then, idiot? Melody goes in the hallway, and we are back to how the series started. Melody running and then getting stopped by John. She screams for Jess and goes running again. She then gets stopped by Samuel and then grabbed by the orderlies. Dr. Turner arrives and tells her everything will be fine as she gets grabbed and dragged out of the viscer. Dan seems to notice something. So he rewinds the tape, and when he does, he gets a visit from the static demon. He's back. He proceeds to run and grab a large... Not the static demon. Dan goes and grabs a large wrench, and he nails the TV with it. The demon tries to punch its way out of the next screen it shows up on, and then Dan breaks that. Then it actually starts to come through the TV, like full-on manifestation out of the TV, but Dan blasts that one too. He then runs through and starts to destroy all of the Patricia tapes before he slams a hole in the wall, and he sees that behind the wall is metal. He finds, or he, he pushes through some cabinets, and he finds a hatch. Dan heads down the hatch, 
and he finds a room playing all of Melody's tapes at the same time, as well as a recreation of the sacrifice room. So, this being here kind of made me question, like, so could they have been doing this ritual anywhere? Like, it didn't... Because they they tried doing this ritual in the Voss Conservatory. That burned down, so then they built the viscer on the ashes of that with the same room in it, and that burned down. But the archive's not on the old viscer grounds. So, like, I, I thought that was the whole reason why they built the viscer on those grounds was, like, because that was supposed to be, like, where the ritual took place, but it seems like that's actually not the case because this is so clearly not the where the viscer is located at. Or where it was located, I should say. So I guess that they either could have been doing it anywhere or they just decided to remake this just for shits and giggles, I guess. Dan finds a book there as well, and he looks into the video of Melody asking someone to help her and find her, and as he turns around, he gets punched out as the episode ends. So another interesting setup episode. Uh, we got even more, like, I don't know why Dan hasn't explored this place more at this point, considering uh, the number of things that are there that are kind of hiding. Um, I... Again, that that kind of kind of boggles me because the whole thing with the viscer was that it clearly is in the middle of a city, and then now they're like, I guess, working on doing the ritual at a different location, or maybe that they maybe they didn't realize that you had to do it at the grounds there. I don't know. It's just it's it's a little weird, and I'm not 100% positive on it, but I'm sure I'll. We'll get more information as the episodes go along. I can only assume that it was Virgil who punched him out, because he's the one who keeps hanging out there, unless there's somebody hiding in the basement, uh, which there would have to be another way in and out, because the hatch that Dan found was covered up by uh, a bunch of cabinets with a bunch of tapes in them, so that would be kind of hard to get out. We also do still... I guess it could have been the groundskeeper, too, if she... Man, if she knew a way to get down there, because she does can, just kind of keep popping in and out. But, you know, or maybe Samuel's hiding out there and he's not actually dead, but it, it feels like he's kind of dead. Clearly, though, this whole, like, oh, Samuel was so caught up in this cult stuff and I didn't believe in it, clearly not the issue, not the case here. Because, yeah, I don't know why they were playing all of Melody's tapes and also how they were playing all of Melody's tapes, because, like, Dan's been restoring them, so this has got to be like a new installment that they had because otherwise they would have had no way to play them because they were all damaged. All in all, good episode. Um, yeah, I'm anxious to uh, watch the rest of this and, and figure out where it goes and uh, if there's going to be more after this, where it goes from there as well. But until the next time, Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.